0: It's May 14th. No, that's you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was amazing. You didn't say anything. (laughs) Oh, it's you. Oh, I forgot. Oh, it's you. Oh, this is you. What are you? It's May. It's May 14th, 2012.
0: This is the Idle Thumbs Kickstarter Progress Cast, the 12th one, for real this time. And I'm Chris Remo.
2: I'm Jake Rodkin.
0: I'm Sean Vandeman, And we're joined today by... Our new friend. <laughs> hi, guys. My name's Scoops. <laughs> Steven Gaynor. Oh,
3: hi. How's it going, Steve? Uh, good. I'm glad to be inside your office uh, for the first time. It's cool to see.
2: It's glad that you're inside of it. Mm,
3: good.
0: Uh, there are some mint-colored cover- walls. Those mm-hmm. came with it. Yeah, Yeah. we repainted over two of them. There used to be four. Really? It was a, it was Tim and D. Yeah,
3: no, I can see that. It was a good decision. Yeah. Good work, guys. Thanks. Thanks Steve. Well, I'll be going now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you have to go make your game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've announced a video
1: game. I did. We also that's why you're here. Game. You're just here to chill your game. Yep.
2: Here <laughs> to just
3: get some, you know, get 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 some buzz going, drumming up some something.
0: Let me sell you on this product. <laughs> uh, I, hear, no, yeah. I hear you're developing a competitive title to uh, attract the proper segment in the marketplace. It's sure. going to
2: hit all four corners. Yeah. It's going to reveal corners. the mysteries of the
0: barbarians. barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to bring it home.
2: so you're going you get a fantasy title then. Uh, ironically, no. Okay, well, but,
1: the, <laughs> but Bar- the mystery of the barbarians yes, will be revealed exactly. time. The barbarians
2: is the name of the family. It's, more of, a, it's more of a
3: historical thing. You can there's a book in it you can read about them. Oh, if you, you, oh
1: it's, this, it's the story of the barbarians down on 23rd.
0: Yeah, they, they live in yeah, the suburbs. Uh, it's, it's, wanna, an, it's an actual game. Yeah, I want to <laughs> read that. I want to read that box description of Diablo three from, from uh, Walmart.com. Is your
2: Walmart. game going to be sold by Walmart.com? And it should be only to get a box description <laughs> written, but. We're going get, to we're going to commission a box description from the Walmart.com writer, but we're not going to sell it at
3: Walmart.
0: You'll <laughs> go through the pipeline just enough to get,
3: to <laughs> and get the,
1: the description and then we'll pull we're pulling our wares from Walmart.
0: So this made the round, so there's a pretty high likelihood you've already seen this, but in case people don't know what we're referring to, this is the incredible actual description uh, written, I guess, by Walmart on their page entry for Diablo 3.0. <laughs> The Diablo 3 PC Mac game revolves around an interesting plot which will keep you spellbound, period, while you are playing. <laughs> <laughs> this strategy video game also has some similar setting as the Diablo 2 Like Tristram. The Witch Doctor is a new character in this game, is reminiscent of the Diablo II Necromancer. The Barbarians in this strategy video game have a variety of revamped skills at their disposal on the basis of the use of their incredible physical prowess. Bring (laughs) bring home the PC video game to solve the mysteries of the mighty Barbarians. (laughs) Diablo PC Mac Game. And then these these are the bullet point features. The Witch Doctor is a new character reminiscent of the Diablo 2. The Barbarians will have a variety of revamped skills at their disposal based on the use of their incredible physical prowess. One-on-one-foot dueling system coming into play. That is
2: amazing. Diablo
0: (laughs) 3 for PC and Mac. One-on-one-foot? It
2: almost feels like a crazy sort of like implicit criticism of Diablo.
0: I'm wondering if what it was was just some fucking douchey, you know, low-level guy working on just the copywriter for the, the Walmart.com website who was just like, Double Three's Lame, Blizzard Sucks, or Nerf Paladins in Warcraft. Uh, like, but like, I don't even know how you can
1: compose English I know, to it's read a, like that. It's like, pretty not impressive, a thing yeah. that a person it's, it's, is capable of it's doing. It's the same
3: way that they composed the English for Half-Life, Full-Life Consequences. I think they got that guy to
2: write that <laughs> <form>. <laughs> It throws a weird curveball though because at the beginning you're like, oh, this person is just writing copy for something they don't understand, and then it gets into like the like, the tech tree of the barbarians. Yeah.
0: Is Tristram actually in Diablo two? Uh huh. Oh, you okay. go to it, uh, and it's but it's all burning and destroyed. Okay. Like whereas in Diablo one, it was the actual town that. you Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in three, it's like a new town. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Games. Well, is that Walmart? Well, Diablo three has some location that are similar to Diablo two, like Tristram. So, yeah. I noticed that when I was playing the beta. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: anyway, Steve's making a video game.
2: Yeah. Go on. Oh, okay. Is it like Diablo 3? Uh, it's
3: not similar. So, yeah. Um, we're making a game called Gone Home, and it's a first-person exploration game with no fighting in it. Um, and we put a video and some screens online last mm. week, uh, so you can go to our website if you want uh, and look at those. Or other websites, because other websites put them up to.
1: How's making your own video game going? It's good so far.
3: Yeah, um, <clears throat> Chris moved back here from Boston. I moved back to Portland, Oregon from Boston, and I convinced a couple people that I used to work with at 2 Marin to quit their jobs and not be paid and move their entire <laughs> lives up uh, <laughs> to another state uh, to make a game. So we're doing that. Uh, and we've been working on it for... Like a few months, and we're using Unity, and it's uh, surprisingly really easy to Unity, use.
1: Unity's going well.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, so it's for me, it's not that easy to use necessarily out of the box. But if you have an incredibly skilled programmer with like eight years of experience shipping AAA games, uh, apparently Unity <laughs> is very out, easy that, yeah. to, to develop things in
1: quickly. Um, the art side of Unity seems like it's familiar to someone who knows what like a Maya pipeline is. Probably, yeah, Probably more so than, like...
3: I also have never used Maya, so we're good. <laughs> you,
1: you edit and make levels, so... Yeah, they're the least... That's the thing you, that Unity is the least suited they're, they're to. They're the yeah. fewest
3: tools yeah. for... Uh, yeah, so, I mean, normally in, like, a first-person game, you're building the geometry out of... Yeah. You know, a BSP system is what's called, which divides the space up into, into really subsections. simple primitives and
0: stuff too, right? I mean, well, you, think, so, so, so for. But it's all part of the BSP tree. Yeah. yeah. Right. What's so BSP it's, stands for, uh, for the binary, binary space, space partitions, partitions. Yeah.
3: Uh, which is, it's, it's partitioning space into right. positive and negative, basically by drawing planes that define rooms and you're either inside them, outside them, whatever. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a very core system to building like a first person level generally and unity doesn't have that so i've been approximating it by just dragging out and scaling cubes right. and lining them up to yeah. make walls and functionally it's similar but there's some lower level stuff that bsp does
1: well you don't actually get the ability to have space occluded by default and stuff like that
3: you can't you? you you can flag any mesh to be static and then build occlusion and it will occlude light bsp um which is good uh the, yeah, the Unity the,
0: actually does a lot of that stuff by default cool. yeah but
3: the, the thing it doesn't do is BSP understands how to bound lights um and so you, if you have a point light it will be blocked by a wall unless you put it like really close to the wall and that's it. but Unity has no concept of that so like light leaks out from all the rooms and we're just going to have to deal with it through content and it's fine you know but um so Unity's not perfect perfect for what we're doing but it scales really well to a small team and we've been able to make really fast progress and get our ideas on screen in a way that can show us, all right, we're so confident in this. We're going to go all the way to you know ship with, with these ideas. And that's why we figured we should tell people what we were working on because yeah. now we know that it's the thing we're going to be working on. <laughs> and, it was cool uh, to see that you put out that video and then to see people responding
1: to it pretty positively, which is nice because, I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty early content for you guys to put out. It is, yeah.
3: <clears throat> why did you put stuff out as early as you did? Uh, well, so we, I mean, it was, why, Steve? <laughs> I like this is just an interview. What the fuck do you think you're I'm, doing, I'm, Steve? I have a, a chance to talk to Steve I, about stuff. I, I want to know. Um, so, like, we, you know, like, we're a very small indie studio and we're not going to make, like, our game conceptually is not made to be, like, really great, big, splashy trailer fodder, you know? And we've seen, uh, projects that have been really successful like gun like gunpoint we talked to tom mm-hmm. francis and like uh, what jonathan blow is doing with the witness where it's like they announce that they're working on a game really early and show like pre-alpha you know temp art stuff and they're like here's the game we're working on we're gonna just show you more stuff about it as mm-hmm. we continue to make it And i think it's been really cool as an individual to get to see how mm-hmm. they're making the game they're making and i think probably from a pragmatic standpoint as someone who doesn't have like a marketing department behind them there's a huge amount of value in letting people kind of get to know your game over like a very extended period of time and build up just kind of a, this ambient awareness of like, Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. I should check out this thing about it. Oh, my friend told me about this. I should, you know, actually find out what it's all about. Um, as opposed to just like splashing commercials uh, all over the world and, and like making this kind of huge spike of awareness right before release. Yeah. Um, I'd prefer that you did that. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jake. Um, so yeah, you know, like it's we- can be
2: very expensive. But For Jake, oh, you're, you're you're gonna make us some sweet TV commercials. No, no, no. Toys. I mean, I mean, for my benefit. Yeah, it's going to be very expensive. You're going
1: to find fun. an investor and then do uh, a multinational launch, marketing-driven launch, so that I can see the really polished marketing assets that you're putting out for your game.
0: <laughs> I like that this is just a statement of fact of what is going well, to it's definitely going like to to do it. Yeah, I mean, we all know. It's on record. It's on the Idle Film (laughs) Kickstarter progress cast the 12th one. I can't (laughs) remember. And and I'm Chris Remo. So,
3: so yeah, we just wanted to be able to show people what we were working on. So, really, like, announcing the thing and announcing the company was just a means to an end end of being able to just show people Mm -hmm. here's what we're up to.
2: Do you feel locked into Choices, having, like, shown stuff? I feel... You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
3: Saying, no. Um, I mean, the we're we're like we're we're confident in the the broad strokes of what we're doing, and we know what we want to produce. But there's smaller decisions. Like, I mean, for instance, at the end of the the video, briefly, you hear some voice come in, and you hear like the beginning of this voice message, and then it fades out. And we're still really um feeling out what we want to do with voice and how much we want to be in there. And I don't know, on some level, if we wanted to be in there at all, and mm-hmm. it's like. If we decide it's really not working for us, we're not going to keep it in just because we put it in a video. You yeah. know, um, it is a work in progress. We betray so. your fans,
0: Steve Gainer. I know. Ugh. Steve, Ugh. hot shit, stupid Gainer.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: Steve's <Man>. hot shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that again.
3: <laughs> I won't. I'm getting the Remo Boost here. <laughs> um, so yeah, and since I talked to you guys on a microphone, last two of you put a game to people to play and I played it.
2: This might be the first time sweet. Jake and I have ever made a game that everybody in the room has played. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Oh, I,
0: I would not ever play your game.
1: <laughs> this is also probably the first Idle Thumbs where I all play, three of us, or all four of us, are doing things that we can talk about on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Without, without, without getting like, in, oh, in trouble. You'll have to
3: ask uh, our marketing <laughs> PR. I, uh,
0: that's true. That's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah. But
3: yeah, you guys, you guys released The Walking Dead, and I played a good amount of it at... 3:30 a.m. to 5:30 a.m. one
2: one morning uh, and it was, why really was I was awake good. and you were IMing? Oh cuz I was in I was in, you were in some, Miami, I was my yeah. Um, <laughs> why are you playing this right now? Where are you? <laughs> the both only reason I knew <laughs> well, Yeah, both both of you
3: like so you were, think, you were on the West Coast. I think I just went
1: and woke up in the middle of the night and like I couldn't go yeah. back to sleep. It's like I'll check Twitter. Steve, why are you playing Walking Dead at five in the morning? And yeah. he's like, Why are you sending me a tweet at five in the morning? <laughs> and why are we having with Sean at five in the morning? Oh yeah. well,
3: he's got an excuse. He's in my hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really liked it, and it seemed like you got a really uh, good response. I was really happy to see that.
2: Yeah, I mean. It's better than the
0: alternative, for sure. But. <laughs> Sean. Sean Vanneman. It's true, but you don't really... I guess it was better than if everyone said it was shitty. I don't know.
2: It just wasn't expected. It's more That's that, how you, get you know, it, it feels like... you That's Sometimes sad. you work on something. <laughs> oh. That's how you get famous Vanneman. Oh, man. You, you didn't
3: know what to expect when you released it, what the reaction was going to be.
2: Right, and I think there are some games that you work on, probably, <laughs> where it getting... A certain type of review is really important to its uh, just its life viability. Yeah, its viability and you people talking about you know what people are going to talk about. Um, there's a whole PR marketing department that says this is what we want people to be talking about, and there was some of that I think on The Walking Dead. But what people responded to and the reason it got well received I think was kind of surprising. Uh, people connecting with the story as much as they did was really surprising. Sorry, I'm really quiet. You are. Well, I mean, what did you think
3: people were going to respond to? I no if not like the story and characters, because that is well, that that's kind a of all there is right? to it,
1: right? It, yeah. I I expected that. Well, Sorry. this game, like, I mean, the stuff that Telltale puts out is obviously really mechanically slim. It's a very, it's very story focused and very just sort of explore through space, explore through the the dialogue content that we've put in there yeah. by way of solving some puzzles. Like, it's the most streamlined adventure game stuff, but. Uh, we had just put out Back to the Future, and the negative responses to Back to the Future were that it was so streamlined that it felt like there was nothing there. And we put out Jurassic Park, and the negative responses to Jurassic Park focused on the really sort of action-heavy stuff. But like people, the people who liked those games liked them for the story content and for the, um, you know, some for, for the aesthetics and the, the character performances and that stuff. And with Walking Dead, I didn't know sort of what side of that people would land on. Like Telltale games are video games that. Since they're so narrative heavy, they demand suspension of disbelief of the, to be maintained in their audience for the games to be good at all. Because if you don't engage with the story, there's not really a ton. There's no mechanics underneath it. So, yeah, and that's really so mean, that,
2: like, that's it, that's a really stressful for what it's worth. Sure. That like when you're playing the game or trying to build the game, and I mean, as you know, it feels like like just talking about the voice in your game, right? Yeah. So much of that. Can either stay or go based on its sort of strong mechanical foundation, the sense of exploration, the controls, the, the the sense of being in a place. Yeah, and it's tough working on a game that's pretty much just story and character. Yeah, because when that stuff's not there, nothing's there. So well, and- I mean, you, you guys did have
3: a strong sense of place and atmosphere and in right. the locations right. you're in. I mean, there there was more than just talking and character animation sure but yeah. that said yeah I mean I know there, there was a lot right and on. I mean our
2: our <laughs> goal when we first when we started making the game was to make it way more atmospheric and to, we wanted the game to be more ex, like about exploration and being in a space than what I think that we shipped and uh, so as we started to move away from that as we, like we were building we were building these environments we were gray boxing environments in ways we never had before. Because exploration was going to felt so important to Jake and I, uh, we kind of totally changed our environment pipeline going from concept to like sketch up models of of like how of scale and how far is it, how long does it take to traverse a space. Uh, So we did a lot of that for about a year. And then the game became less about exploration and more about uh, dialogue and story. And at that point, I think we were just so confused about about what it felt like to play the game that putting it out in the world we didn't know if it was going to be a cohesive experience yeah. for a player. Because is, I feel like it's it's interesting to look
3: at it was for me because I, I can kind of feel that tension when I play it which is cool because it felt it feels like, like the experience really breaks away from anything else that I've played that Telltale has made and I think a lot of that is kind of how integrated uh the um the camera is into the spaces like you feel very inside of the environment um and uh it it has this i don't know feeling of connection with the character that you are navigating through the space that i feel like most telltale games tend to like kind of hold it at arm's length and it's interesting it came from you were even deeper into that in your initial you know uh version of the game and then you went more towards the traditional adventure game paradigm but ended up somewhere that i think felt really good that is right in between those those two poles um, and it's really cool to see that it worked well uh, when it when it shipped
2: i mean we kept some of the rules you know i think i think you can get pretty lazy in an adventure game or just a, a third person game where the camera is not an orbital cam yeah you can get really lazy and start to let playing the game, reveal things about the world and the character to the player that the main character doesn't know. Sure. And yeah. I think that might be... Well, that's,
0: I think that's know. like standard, in fact, even with an Oral Cam often.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get a sense of sort of, even if you're looking behind... Zelda wow. link, <laughs> <you're> Zelda behind <laughs> Halo. Even if you're looking behind Halo, uh, <laughs> behind Frank Gears, <laughs> behind Uncharted, uh, <laughs> that guy, you get. There's still a sense that the things that I know about in his direct, like that are right around him. Yeah. he knows about. Yeah, and you,
3: you, you can accept that that it's an implication of like peripheral vision, or that he's kind of looking right. over his shoulder or whatever. Uh, just
2: a sen- He experience. hears what you see. But <laughs> we discover the like, secret of the we do, we, do, we do two things making telltale games. We have two tools at our disposal that allow you to subvert that really, really easily. One is the cutscene and the fact that we'll throw the camera anywhere cinematically for the sake of it being a cinematic game. Yeah, sure, and I'm, that's air quoting cinematic. Yeah, cards. I think that's a really shitty descriptor of things. But um, and then also uh, not like <laughs> nav- navigational cameras that can be put anywhere in the world the only games that really do things like that now are that put put nav cams the way we put them are like the God of War series. Yeah, Yeah, sure. You know, so it's, it's a really, it's a thing that, and they do that for scale and you're taking in this, it's almost like this painting. Well, like, yeah. yeah, right. And in God of of War,
0: incredibly the constrained, right?
3: Yeah. And in so, God of War, the entire gameplay like really takes place on like a flat plane, mm, and yeah. so everything else around it is just well.
1: Different. The cameras
0: almost in that game is almost closer to like an isometric camera or something right. than in your game. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it, which it, is it, much more personal. Like, yeah. God of but War they have or,
1: like all the camera
0: swings and sort of like that. God of War is all about. Yeah, well, it, it composes yeah, yeah. everything no, no, absolutely, second absolutely. Second. But you're definitely like, I would say the default mode in that game. It's sure. from giving you more situational awareness. Right,
2: yeah. And I think that, that, that but that, to your point, when those are the two camera systems that you're using in the game, it's really tough to make it feel, like, small and intimate and constrained, and I know as much as Lee knows, and Lee knows as much mm-hmm. as I know, and I'm with him, and I well, am
0: Okay, so here's the thing yeah. that I really noticed when I was playing your game. It's interesting to me that you're talking about that in the context of the camera, because I think the one of the most fundamental decisions you made in that game that really informs how the player interacts with the game and the char- and the character that he's actually controlling is you don't know if Lee actually did the thing that he's accused of or not. you have no idea. So right from this first moment of the game, which is it highlights that deliberately because you're in this cop car, uh, and it's not a spoiler because it's the first thing that happens. Um, you know, Lee, Lee's being taken to prison for this murder. And like the entire time, at least in the first, well, fuck, I guess it is a spoiler to say this, but like Whatever. the entire time in the first episode as you're playing it, you never find out if Lee is actually guilty of this crime. And so you're already, I felt, and this is not a, this is not a criticism, but I felt immediately distanced from the character in a way that, that I, like, I never felt like I was that guy because I could never, every time he would, you're given a choice to explain, to, to react to someone's implied or overt uh, criticism of you or the suggestion that they might, mu- that they know something about your past. Um, I as a person have to, to make a choice that is divorced from any actual information as to what would be informing that statement. So, like, the, the choice I'm making as a, as a player is more tonal than actually, like, sympathetic, if you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, and so, and I thought that was really interesting. And so it's interesting hearing you talk about the, how that impacts the game on a mechanical level. Or, not how that impacts the game, but the parallel of that on the mechanical level where you're trying to get the player, despite using this often alienating camera system, getting the character into this, getting the player into this character's head. And that's something that I I never felt able to do when, as a player. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's something something that that comes up in so many games, and it's why fucking amnesiacs are so common in games. is Because, like, Mm -hmm, if. If the character has a past that they logically remember but the player has no access to, then there's just this schism uh, between the inhabiting that, that character. And it's, it, it's a really, it's, it's hard. It's a hard space to be in because it's either okay. You have to have lost your memory and be rediscovering, it, so mm-hmm. it's one to one, or you have to be an outsider that's just a neutral party that isn't actually involved in anything, but you're just an observer. Yeah, or you have or to be, you be, really be the dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or you have to be, or you have to be the dude and just bite off like, all right, I'm playing as a guy who knows things that I don't know, mm-hmm. despite my controlling him, which is weird. Um But there, you know, there might be. Some, uh, like, I think the thing, so I think the thing that is interesting and and different about that in your game than in a lot of games, like for instance, Nathan Drake, aka Uncharted, has a whole history and really all you're controlling of his life is shooting shit and jumping around, so like you not knowing his history doesn't fucking matter, but in your game, the gameplay and how you interact with other characters is about character It's about expressing me. this character through the choices that you make, so it's like more relevant uh, than knowledge. I think we knew talked about earlier. we knew it
2: would be weird, but like there's. there's I think a, we the thing we knew about was we did we does it. It was one of those things we wanted. Well, I just had the phrasing for it, but it does it matter to you as a player? And just leaving <laughs> that an open ended question felt oh, like interesting to me.
3: I, I think I think it is cool that. This is a dumb say- say- sentence. I think it's cool that it's weird.
1: <laughs> but, but I mean, like, I I find, it's definitely an extremely interesting. I, just, I think it's way choice. more interesting yeah. to yeah. be like,
3: you know what? We're gonna see what happens if there is this this schism between the mm-hmm. player and the character, yeah. and oh. see if that is an interesting position to be in. Yeah.
1: I had forgotten that we were doing that to a certain degree when we when we got the first playable and the characters all got up to. The, to the drugstore to the pharmacy yeah. and the dialogue prompt came up where someone's like do you know where I can find this and then one of the things I could say is oh it's probably just over behind the counter and I was like why does he oh right he knows that because he's a person and I, I was confused yeah. by my own stupid
2: game <laughs> well, the, the, yeah they, well, oh, sorry, oh no no it's funny because the original story or one of the first stories I think we just talked about this somewhere but one of the first stories we had was uh Lee and Clementine were actually related mm. uh and actually, it's funny because I really want to see what um, Naughty Dog is doing with that game, where you're a guy and a girl. It's The Last of Us. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's they learned right. about and made me really nervous. They nowadays. don't seem <laughs> they don't seem together. They don't seem they don't seem like they're a family. I don't I don't know what the, the narrative of that is. But we went away from them being brother and sister at one point. Uh, Lee was younger, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because your character, his name wasn't even Lee at the time had this relationship with this little girl that went all the way back to year zero. Sure. Yeah. You know, and that was too much. Right. right? It yeah, was sure. like, we had no idea how to begin to write. Like, we wrote the opening of the game. We designed all of the interactions for the first five minutes of that game. And we didn't know what was interesting about their relationship yeah. other than what would make it interesting in a movie, which yeah. doesn't make it interesting in a yeah. game. So we had this design for a, for an opening and for a way to learn the mechanics uh, that we really liked. <laughs> and we had this relationship that we really liked on screen, but it just felt completely unplayable. Uh, because there was so much lack of context. That it's like, you're going player. to care about this little girl because right. she's your yeah. little yeah. sister. So that's yeah, the like thing the that yeah. I think
0: is like the default mode of Game Stories, mm-hmm. honestly, is like assuming that, that you as the player are just going to shoulder all of that, like years of built-up uh, existing knowledge and empathy. Uh, and empathy. Yeah. But... um,
1: that might just be a. Th- oh, I'll tangent off that and then or uninterrupt you, but I think games do that a lot. But also, all bad genre writing does that. Oh, I agree. Like, I totally like, agree. the number of modern genre movies that are that just take for granted that you're going to have an emotional response or something because it's just become this weird like stylized mm-hmm. boil down of yep. a good version of an emotional response is gross. I agree, and I I think that and games sort of just operate like a lot of game stories operate under that assumption. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think it actually ends up leading to. Uh, things like uh, just stupid, worthless female roles becoming so prominent because you end up with characters like that being the daughter who's captured or yeah. the wife who's captured. They're, they're just or a symbol for. Right, yeah, exactly. You like, should care about this. Right. That's their only function. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the thing that I was going to say, I mean, is very related to this, is uh, the, the notion of coming into a game and not having the existing body of knowledge or the expertise that this potential character might have. You know, if one reason. Steve, as you say, like many characters are amnesiacs and so on, because you can assume the player is on equal level with how much you know about this world. Um, and I think, you know, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, I think about reasons that some of the reasons from a mechanical standpoint, so many games are about violence and combat and killing and like the, the, the ways that that can be pretty competently and expressively, uh, represented through, through game systems. But there's also, I think, something related to this, the topic that we're discussing now, which is that. If, when you play a game, uh, the game is an expression of agency, or like most games are an ex, are expression of agency of some kind. And because your character is the protagonist, because of the way games work, to some degree, things have to revolve around you. And so, in all likelihood, if it's a, if it's some kind of power fantasy, which most, which most games tend to be, your character is probably an expert at something. And it's very difficult for a player to just be an expert at something. Yeah, uh, at the, at the level that a fictional like uh, impressive character is supposed to be, but the yeah. thing that right. players know how to do in a video game is manipulate sticks or a mouse and keyboard to kill things easily. So yeah. like that ends up being a thing you can make your player an ex or a character an expert at that the player will be able to pick up yeah. right right like from square one well, and go you, know, I'm there like and, I can start doing this immediately. And you
3: can just do that through like pumping up their hit points. You know, like combat yeah, right. is the easiest uh-huh. thing because exactly. it also very quickly falls apart in, like, stealth games, where, like, I play Splinter Cell, and it's like, yeah. he's the most stealthy exactly, man in the yeah. history. <laughs> he can infiltrate any facility. And I'm like knocking a, a dude dude, dude, <laughs> uh, and a guy just, like, shoots me in the face. I'm like, he's a fucking shitty spy. He's yeah. as shitty as I would be. Yep. Because um, it, it takes actual <laughs> skill, because uh, you can't just, yeah, mm-hmm. give yeah, you more exactly. hit points yeah. to be better at being sneaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, can there, there's, there's something semi-divergent from this that... Uh, I want to talk about that I found really interesting, which is, uh, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on I am, but it's mm-hmm. the the use of race in the game, which I I thought it was I I thought it was cool when I didn't know you know I didn't know a lot about the game before I played it. It was like, all right, Walking Dead, there's a comic, <laughs> and a TV show, and it's about zombies, and I just start playing, and the main character Lee is a black man, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm guessing playing as a black dude, like you know, that's that that was not expected, and then you you go through and it's relevant um kind of throughout the story of of the first episode not necessarily like the main focus at any point but it remains kind of something that uh that that is actually you know not just a throwaway uh aspect of this character but it it works into the plot um and i thought that was really cool to see uh and i just i mean you you like you talk you talked to me a little bit about this you know off of the podcast but how did you guys come to the Decision of that because like the little girl is also I think if I remember from the family photo that you find she's like half black. Oh, no, she's black. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought her. She's light skinned. She, oh, okay, I thought yeah. her mother was like white or Asian or something in the in the photo. No, but, but, okay, yeah. I was totally wrong. Um But, but in it's, any case, yeah, it's um, there. yeah, yeah um, How did you guys come to
2: to come to creating that character? Um, God, you know it's funny. It was super roundabout, actually. Yeah, the like the funny the story we just told about the brother sister. Those characters I think were white. uh and it's it's roundabout in a lot of ways. In one, we were trying to think. We were with Chuck Jordan, uh, who's been on the cast, and he's a game designer and worked on the Sam Mac stuff at Telltale for a long time. Uh, he was helping us a lot early on with the story, and we were trying to think of who would play Lee. <clears throat> like, what sort of feeling did you want to get from the actor? Like, who would you like? If you were going like, to make would, a movie, who would you cast? Who would you character? cast as Lee? And he just brought up a guy uh, who was perfect. I was like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I think he would feel like, uh, which is Idris Elba who played Stringer Bell. Sure, boy. yeah. And that was it. <laughs> like, it just sort of said, oh yeah, that's kind there of. What were, it there were a couple more
1: in there, but it was we yeah. were like just running through a bunch of white dudes that are like modern
2: leading men, white dudes. And also, but then it's like <laughs> so like we said that just from like what does it feel like on screen, which is really crass and just sort of plane and uh you know but i kind of went away f- for about a month and really th- we kept working on it but i kind of kept really really thinking about what it was going to mean uh if he was black what that would mean for <coughs> the politics of the game and like if the opening scene he's in a he's in uh, a cop car did that mean anything and a lot of, i think a very it's in a really and again but was, a lot it's of it's time- really crassly pointed out sometimes on the internet by commenters like black guy in a cop car it's like well good job you in your non-critical brain, thanks. <laughs> uh, but race is also important to his backstory. Uh, Lee's wife uh, was white, uh, and things like that that aren't probably going to come out in the game. And uh, it was important. It's important for lots. I mean, <laughs> you haven't heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> and defining, he's around all these people in the, the in the Walking Dead. So much of it is about family. And if you yeah. read the comics, everything that happens, people when shit really hits the fan, just start dividing themselves up about on, on their bloodlines. Like, it's just, are you my son? Are you my daughter? Are you my yeah. wife? And that's it. And the people rarely, if ever, as far as I can tell, couples have broken up in The Walking Dead universe. I think people have cheated on each other romantically. Obviously, Rick and Lori. But people have never turned full bore on their family. Yeah. So we knew Lee wasn't going to have a family. Um. So race kind of became... At least for me, like Clementine is black on purpose. Like, obviously, just because, like, you mean from p- the outset, like, she was conceived as no, no, Cle- no, 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 Clementine, like, oh, no. Well, Clementine is, is black the way Lee is black, and the fact that once Lee was black, Clementine was too. Clementine's race
1: changed because we wanted, we wanted when those two characters walked up on other characters for them to immediately assume, make, assume make assumptions about right. their relationship, which, yeah, right. so. yeah,
0: yeah, I really like that, yeah. So, well, like, I mean,
3: this, just, this is there's a, there's a slightly I mean, I don't know. I'll come out as, as having a terrible brain. Um, but like, as far as these assumptions go and mm-hmm. stuff, and also expectations that have been built up by video games. <laughs> um, when I first played, so I, I first played the game and you start in the cop car and you get out of the cop car and then you find this house and you go in, you know, you yeah, break into the, the house, side. right? And you, or, you know, you go into the, it's not, you don't break in it. Or do you, you slide open the, up the yeah, door. Yeah, you open the yeah, door you can and you knock. But, and you go into yeah. the, to the house and you start looking around and you're examining stuff and then I pick up the family photo and it's a black family and my brain immediately was like, Oh, is this my house? And, and then I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, there can be more than one black person in a video game. I see. You know, and I was like, no, this is another black family. That's this technically can't. possible. Yeah, I know. But
0: Despite it's... there being maybe no evidence
3: for it. Uh, and, and so, you know, I told, I said that to you and you were like, well, it takes place in Atlanta. And I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. it, it makes total sense, but the first blush was like, I mean, and the other thing is in a lot, of, in a lot of cases, any story tidbit you find right, it, you like, like, is by default, like, relevant, like you
1: know.
0: Right. So, I like yeah. you know,
1: is this my family I have Amnesia? <laughs>
3: oh, no, no, no,
1: no. Also,
0: I will say that is not an entirely inappropriate thing to think in the context of of this game. Because, Jake, right. when you said the thing about how you forgot, like, about your own game, you were yeah. in a convenience store, I had a different response to that, which was I came to that weird confusion, like, five seconds later, which was, I'm like, oh, it's probably under the counter, and someone's like, wait a second, how would you know that? And I'm like, and I just, my assumption was, oh, that just must be a thing that people just know. Like, my, i was oh, just like, that must just be a common piece of knowledge. Otherwise, why would it be in my dialogue tree? Why does that person think it's weird? Yeah, the yeah. game just told me this okay. is a thing that someone would know. I, I, so I, I, was, had, that, <laughs> I had
3: that same response, because it's yeah. like, you can say, like, it's probably in the office. And yeah. they're like, how do
0: you know that's an office? I'm like, like well, what, I, I don't know what do, other well, thing, thing you That's exactly right. The office thing was actually yeah, yeah. the thing that I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, but but I mean that that is there, that's in that way that is how race continues to be actually relevant to like the moment-to-moment story of oh, the oh like game. how we know something is in the office <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> All, who el- how else would you know a lot of people know where offices are that's the, um, thing they- that's the power they have <laughs> <laughs> a power of anime. <laughs> Um, no, but like, as you go through there, I don't, like, I was gonna ask you, like, this is spoilery
0: as shit, so I'm sorry. But, At this um, stage,
2: you've played the game or you haven't. Yeah. So. But, yeah. um,
0: yeah, so I believe. We'll now take a two and a half hour break so you may play The Walking Dead. Episode. <laughs> There's gotta... a button on this podcast pause. reporter called Pause. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it I... called Play
3: Walking Dead. <laughs> but, uh, I think, I believe that I managed to. <clears throat> hide the fact from all the other survivors throughout the entirety of that episode that it was Lee's family's pharmacy. And I, can, can other people actually find out that, that she, some people know did. who did
2: you kill at
3: the end? <laughs> uh,
1: who, who survived? Doug
2: died. Like, okay, like Yeah. so you have somebody with you who knows. Yeah, Carly knows who you are. She goes
0: and she says that. There's one conversation. Oh,
2: that's right. Yeah, she yeah, says, yeah. like, I've oh, looked yeah. up all this shit that's about right. you.
0: God, I never... I, so I saved yeah. Doug because he's my bro. And, oh, uh, so you
2: clean up your tracks. And so, yeah, but <laughs> so I didn't
0: realize that. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was
1: someone on the Something Awful forum posted about that, and it made me the happiest person ever because it was full confirmation of suspension of disbelief, where they got to the part where the two <laughs> characters are going to die at the end. Spoiler. And he said... It was just like... I realized after the fact that I hadn't even, like, didn't even consider the mechanics of it. My brain just said, she knows in all caps. <laughs> and I let her die. And get <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That is yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I read that and was like, ah, oh, yay. All right. That. Good. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, but, she knows. <laughs> but like, can other people find out? Because like, you it, can tell Kenny and his family about it if you want. Yeah. yeah. Well, can, cause, yeah. Well, cause the thing that I remember. Maybe we cut that. Well, the, so the, someone he, will extract the script. Uh. Well, the, the thing that I
3: remember is you're you're out in that little enclosed area, yeah. And I made the so you see the guy with the pharmacy uniform, and I made the connection. I'm like, oh, worked at the pharmacy, young black guy. That's probably my brother, right? Oh. And and I feel like there was a dialogue tree there where you could kind of let it slip, like like because Doug's like, how would you know he has a key? And I said like he's got a pharmacy uniform, but I think oh. you could say something like we were close or like I don't know something that then implies you that you connected a connection Doug. Really
2: Doug is the one who you can really really who you can tell okay God, it's, it's funny is that that moment right there I wrote probably like ten times so I can't remember what shit yeah. it's <laughs> but, really strange but I can't I, remember the, the so high, I think there's, but, like, there's,
1: a, there's a part did you see the part where Lee runs out and gets an axe and starts chopping yeah, down yeah, a yeah. power pole to create a, like a barricade oh no no that was, cut. <laughs> <laughs> that was cut like eight months ago <laughs>
3: Uh, but uh yeah. but, but well, so, anyway, so, like the, about... the, the thing that's cool about that is like, oh, the race of these other characters like seeing the 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 people in the photo and like it's like ah, alright, this this is definitely like oh it's his family and like the moment where he kind of tears himself off of it and
0: stuff. I thought that stuff was really You guys good. should have seated photos of like sixteen black families and then <laughs> Steve finally would have stopped seeing there were, there that were a
2: bunch of other <laughs> photos in the wall of like, oh, here's grandparents and here's other, like, mm-hmm. like the way you do in the family, in a, sure, in a yeah. store. Yeah. And then it started, it, Characters and uh, people in playtest were trying to take the photos off the wall to use to hide them, uh, <laughs> use them in different like ways. Trying like oh, I was covered. Yeah. Like so I said You've I had got to
0: poignantly tear every single photo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so We had to go back and make all the people on the walls white, which is because it was like so race plays a mechanical role. In, that that oh, oh yeah. Well, but there still were like three uh,
3: different set family photos that were around in the pharmacy yeah. that you could find.
2: Yeah, there was a main one though that just looks way like Lee that we had to change. To yeah. The room. But uh, oh. and also, I mean, one other thing is just, and I think I like <clears throat> games that do this, and I think we talk about games. Like, I think for some, I'm, you remember you liking Tomb Raider: Underworld because yeah. of how lonely you felt playing yeah, that game. Yeah, yeah, I liked how and was. that was. Using like, I, it's hard because this is an ensemble game where you're a bu- with a bunch of people. Yeah, and you, the idea, like race, is always gonna is always going to matter. It's just it just matters always. Yeah. People say that this always matters, and the idea of being other matters and will matter for as long as we are alive as people. Yeah, and that is used in the game to create a feeling that I think is interesting about what is it like to just be permanently different from all these other people. And I think that is and like I'm, I'm a white guy, so like I don't really have, you know. Personal My, Right, personal experience. You're <laughs> I actually like, upper-middle-class white American male. So, like, what, but, you know, like... Though so you are Irish, so maybe, like, 80 years ago or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's also hard. I mean, we talked about that early on. It's like, can we write this game as two white guys living in Northern California? You know? Yeah. And, uh... We obviously said We've we said if, we, if we, And we said if we can't.
0: If, <laughs> if we, if, if we, if, Am I right, video game industry?
2: Bill, well, the answer was if we can't, then we should kill ourselves. <laughs> like, basically, like, then what are we doing if we can't, if well, we're not empathetic well, I mean, enough to read games. So, I was
3: doing a podcast uh, yeah. with, with a guy, uh, Philippe Bosher. Um, Pabosher. <laughs> Pabosher. Pabosher podcasted with me. Uh, but I went on his, his podcast last week, and he was asking me more about just like general stuff that I'd worked on, and he was asking about Minerva's Den, and he he was like, so, okay, I know this is sounding like combative or something. So now but, it's nervous Den spoiler time. But but it's like, uh, so where, so why did you think you were qualified <laughs> to write, like, a black character from the 50s, you know? Like, <laughs> well, and I, and I, it's a totally valid question because <laughs> yeah. it's outside of my personal experience. And it's, you, you know, like,
1: Steve, yeah, yeah. why do you think In, you're qualified to write the story of the one chosen person to save the galaxy? <laughs>
3: <laughs> There's something I have to tell you, Jake. Here's this orb. Oh. Uh, <laughs>
2: um, so. it's, it's, the idea that you showed him visual proof of your... your <laughs> was, oh, I, I see. I see. On a podcast. <laughs> sorry, your majesty. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but I, So, you know, my, my in responding to that question, it was like, well, anyone who's writing fiction is writing outside of their experience. And whatever, you know, like alternate context that is, your job is to take it seriously and really think about how you can respect the perspectives that you are inhabiting while you're you're writing that character and then build from there um yeah. and well, see it's,
0: it's that's just inter- Oh, sorry. sorry oh, I want to hear uh, what Chris the, has to say well the reason I, it's this was actually something that when I was listening to I listened to that well I listened to the first half of the podcast this part was included in it and like when when that part came up I found myself like at first agreeing with you then you said something that I like strongly disagreed with so I Now I have a chance to, like, respond. Yeah, what was it? uh, It's when you were saying, like, for example, when, like, a fantasy author writes a novel, like, he's never seen a fucking dragon. Like, he's never (laughs) seen that. And, like, I... True, but I really took issue with that as a comparison because there is no such thing as a dragon. There were people who were black people living in 1950. No, no, it's
3: it's absolutely true. But I'm I'm saying, as a statement, if you're writing fiction, you're writing outside of your own experience. I understand. And with certain things, you... Your job is to respect the perspective of people who have actually been through those uh, those life experiences that you're depicting. In the case of something like depicting someone who is of a race or lived in a time that you never have that actually existed, but it's all in a spectrum of like no one who is writing anything except autobiography is writing purely from their own perspective. Absolutely,
0: right? but the the difference is when you're writing about the dragon, you're essentially not accountable to anything. Right. Like you you you. you <laughs> Dragon's
2: rights. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like yeah,
0: you could botch that in the worst way, and it really makes no difference to anything. Like yeah. your book might be less entertaining. That's the worst, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're not you're never going to be like disre- disrespecting like someone's heritage or yeah. like what have you. So I mean, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing that. Like I loved Mirror's Den. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought you did a good job. So Especially I'm not, that dragon. I'm not. I, obviously, when dragon. I say this, it's yeah. understood that I'm not criticizing yeah. your handling of it. But yeah. I do think so. You when, feel like
3: they're not on. They're not even on the same spectrum. At I, all. I, I personally don't think
0: they are. Yeah, I think, or another, or yeah. I, I think right I mean, in I think, not in every I think way, mechanically
3: but... they are, but
1: like philosophically they're not. Uh,
0: they're see, differing. I think philosophically really? is the way Those that they're most. Yeah, I agree, feel the exact yeah. opposite of what you just said. Mechanically they might be more similar, but philosophically I think they're totally Oh, different. that's that's what I meant. Oh, yeah, it's the opposite of what you said. Anyway, whatever. Sorry. So, right. so, okay. so, so, so yeah. it's been recorded. I guess, it's, I guess, to go back. I'm, I'm just sure, back. I'm sure
1: that I said backwards <clears throat> what I meant to say. Sorry yeah. about that. But yeah, no, but I, mean, I think it's... I
3: agree. It's like mechanically, it's like you always have to extend outside of your own personal experience, and then depending on what context you're projecting yeah. yourself into, you have much greater responsibility right. with one than the other.
0: Like I'm, I'm reading a uh I, one of my favorite authors. The current authors is David Mitchell. He wrote. Cloud Atlas, which is an incredible work. I hope we read it someday on the Battle Thumbs Bookcaster, But I'm reading Cloud Atlas. been sitting on my shelf for oh years. Oh my god, it's an it's an incredible right. piece of fiction. But um, and actually, that that book actually very much applies to what I'm about to say. But like a more extreme example, his most recent book, The Thousand Autumns of Jacob de Zoet, is a really wonderful piece. I'm about two thirds through it, and it's set in 1799 in Dejima, which is a port in Nagasaki, Japan. Uh, and it's a Dejima is a Dutch. It was a Dutch outpost post when the Dutch were the only Foreign country, or the especially Western, like obviously Japan had contact with uh, Korea and China and so on. But uh, the only like truly foreign uh, power to have inter- any contact with Japan was was the Dutch. And so this book is set in this port, and it deals with Dutch characters and Japanese characters, and uh, in- dealing in this incredibly contentious like overlap between their two cultures and this like feudal Japanese society and the the like this strongly Christian uh colonial power whose religion is like uh seen as illegal by the Japanese and so there's this incredible just cultural clash and like it's it's very high tension and it's really riveting. It's really great. Um and, and then David that Mitchell part of the Dragon. And then there's that part of the Dragon. And David Mitchell is a twenty first century English guy in you know, like, he he's neither Dutch nor Japanese. He he obviously didn't live in that period. He's biting off, like, an incredible amount of of stuff. That, and there's female, like, sort of concubine female characters who are extremely oppressed. And, like, I mean, it's just he's biting off, like, a bajillion, trillion different things that are making it very difficult for himself. And he talked about the experience of writing this book. And he was saying just writing a single sentence could take him weeks sometimes because he'd realize how much he doesn't know about the experience these characters have. He'd be like, I couldn't even just say the guy shaved in the morning because then I would have to go and find a book about, did people do that? Is that a thing people did? How would they do it? He's not going to write, put that all in the book and be like, then he took out his bamboo, sheathed, like, whatever. But he's at the risk of just constantly making inaccuracies in big things. He was, he had to guard himself against all the little things. And like that, you know, that's something that if, if he were, if he were just writing the fantasy novel, like you and he, would, he just would the responsibilities, and that's, yeah. that's why yeah. a fantasy yeah. author can churn out a bajillion books, right? Well, years, that's just which the, they often do. You know, you like, know like, it, yeah. even if you
1: just if it's if you have a huge vat of fiction that you're writing, even if you put in like if you suddenly say I want the race of my character to be important, and you have to put just that little eyedropper of historical fiction inside of it, yeah. you're suddenly responsible for yeah, everything exactly that right. touches. and, and I, I, and I, argument, real, I mean, just, real quick, just I just, just
0: want to finish this real quick because I just realized I just. Spoke entirely about the purely mechanical aspects of it, which are just historical accuracy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the even more challenging thing emotionally is actually convincing writing these characters convincingly according to their to their race and their culture and their status in right. society and their age and the era in which. I mean, the, the, that's like orders of magnitudes beyond yep. more humanly complex that he also has, I think, successfully yeah. um, tackled. So that's in a whole other thing. But anyway, well, so, oh, I was, was
2: just gonna, two points. I mean, one, I, I don't just to so just something you said. I don't think you decide that race matters in your story. I think you either sure pay attention to it or not. <laughs> like, right. It's always going to well, matter. Yeah. But That's, uh, the, yeah. other, the other thing is, I think when you decide to step outside your personal experience that far, it just makes you have to do all those things. Because it's just listening mm-hmm. to you say, like, oh, like, the historical accuracies are one thing. But I definitely, I'm really happy with the work we did on The Walk of Dead in that I thought more about every line of dialogue I wrote because I was afraid of fucking it up. Whereas I feel like, yeah. I mean, and no, know no comment on Nathan Drake as a character or anything like that, but if I were to sit down, like, I fucking look like Nathan Drake. It'd be so easy. Yeah. Like, I'm just a white dude you with do, scruffy, actually, you know? Yeah. Like, it would just, it's, I think I would just take so many things for granted, make him a less interesting character. The story would be clunky, clunkier. I wouldn't think about the politics of race. The same way I don't think about them as a white person because I had privileged. Like, you just don't think about those things, mm-hmm. but they're always there. Like, to say that race isn't in games, <clears throat> Race maybe isn't in.
0: <laughs> it's definitely like, strongly it's, it's engaged underrated. by its actors. Like, like, yeah, it's, you know, like, it's, like, it's, it's a strong comment there. There's you know. a negative space, yeah, existing, exactly. Yeah. You know, so I think. Uh, so something. Uh, something I found interesting
3: about that about the uh, my experience with it in Walking Dead was I I read one or uh, I read a, a couple of reviews, I think, before I I played it, and I was like, oh, people are saying it's really good. I mean, I was going <laughs> to play it anyway, but I was like, oh, it's cool that reviewers who aren't friends with these dudes think that it's good. And so I read these reviews. And then I played the game, and then I was surprised that it had a black protagonist. Right? Like, it was not mentioned anywhere nobody in the reviews. It. No one mentioned
2: the it. The New York Times wrote the game and didn't mention and, it. And so, to
3: me. like, when Some I... Some people have
1: mentioned it on the internet.
3: <laughs> but nobody... No, nobody not, not, not actually critics or reviewers. And the thing that I found interesting about that was, conversely, in reviews of Minerva's Den, either race or racism thing, yeah. was mentioned almost universally. And I think there's one... Single difference here is that I put a fucking audio diary in Minerva's Den where the guy's like, "Let me talk about racism for a minute, basically." <laughs> and, and people, and I mean, I'm proud of that diary. Like, people found it yeah. memorable, and I think it was legit. But I think if I had not done that, it would have been the exact same thing. It would have been like, "It's a character. He has this, you know, tragic story, and yeah. it's a, it's a good game, whatever." Um, and and I feel like, kind of in both cases, the core of the character was. Some kind of universal human, you know, uh, a set of emotions about family or responsibilities they have, or regret, or or whatever. And I I think that in my case, people mentioned, you know, reviewers and critics mentioned it because I drew attention to it. Mm-hmm. And in your case, again, it's it's totally irrele- relevant and and meaningful within the story. But you never like shine a a light on it and so people were just like
2: he's this character he's interesting it's well written um and i found that kind of kind of interesting well it's funny because like so larry the old guy people when play they play the game are like like oh i really don't like that old racist and like (coughs) because he it's funny though because larry is a is racist but he's he doesn't hate you because you're black he hates you because he knows who you are like he 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 and there's definitely this. But also seems of, like he kind him. of hates you because you're right. You a but bit like more but than his, his, his uh, the way he expresses himself. But, but he'd he probably hate you. That would yeah. be
1: swapped out by you're just a trashy, worthless heap if you were a white dude. I right? Yeah, dude. yeah. Like that, uh, that. That space. And like yeah. he talks
2: in with like <laughs> racist rhetoric. Like he calls you boy at one point. Yeah. Sure. Um, and that stuff is more sort of he's a product of his environment as opposed to that is what his character is about. Sure. And It gets, yeah. it's it's definitely, uh, hopefully people hear it in episode two, because there's a line in episode two that I think, uh, I'm curious to see how it plays, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I, I don't remember the Dotto diary about, the audio diary about race. I should go back listen to that. That would be interesting.
0: That was the one about Split White, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's also just funny that nobody has, it's true, like, nobody has mentioned it, not in a single review
3: yeah. or write up. And, and in I a way, I think all. that that's, like... I think it's because it was handled deftly more so than it just was, like, a non- Irrelevant factor. Yeah. You know, because in a lot of cases, the black character in a game, the only thing, way that it's relevant that he's black is he has a black voice actor and, you know, like, a character model. Like Lewis yeah.
2: from Left 4 Dead or something. Uh,
3: Yeah, sure. And, you know, just any... Like, any of the, the squad member who... Happens right. to be the black guy, right. so like it doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I he, he probably has a
0: sweet catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might marvel. Or at the of his name. His
2: name is actually Coltrane. Yeah, maybe. Like in Gears of War. Oh, like his
1: first name is actually. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I know, well, like you want to take a break? Actually, I just have to go to the bathroom. Or we missed.
1: Yeah. Take a break and come back for ten minutes. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, the, wrap thing up is, with is, the Walking is... Dead cast. Yeah, I
2: gotta. I just it's really. Yeah, stuck. we
1: talked about Steve's stuff, and we talked about Walking
0: Dead. We're supposed to talk about Double Fine games now. Uh, there's only one to talk about right now. How is it? It's early. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It's cool. It's weird to be at Double Fine right now. It's really awesome though. Because they're in like a very conceptual phase. Well, that, but also just the the being so being at that studio when this whole Kickstarter thing is happening it is really unusual. Like, it's very different to anywhere I've worked before. It, listen to this, but... um,
2: <laughs> I'm getting up to go to the bathroom. Yeah, now. go for Keep it. Keep
0: talking. Now. And uh <laughs> like... make a lot of folding noises.
3: Yeah. Folding? Did you say folding noises? <laughs> no, I want to hear the foley noises of like
0: Oh, and then the toilet <laughs> floor. <folding noise. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but no being being a double Fine um right now is really weird because Double Fine has the Double Fine traditionally is like a very, I don't want to say under the radar studio because they definitely have more name recognition than than a lot of a lot of studios do. But but it's definitely not a household name at all. And, and it's the people who know about it are like disproportionately passionate. I think even but, the people who know about
1: Double Fine, they are the kind of studio that feels like a black box from the outside. Like there are mm-hmm. some studios who are like
0: sharing stuff all the time. Company blog is like pictures yeah, of our office. Right.
1: We deploy concept art left and right. Whereas Double mm-hmm. Fine, it's sort of. There is Tim Schafer's public internet persona, mm-hmm. and then there's just a huge void, and then there is the PR-motivated game release information that is yeah. pretty standard. I mean, yeah. It's not like and like I think Valve was even more extreme like that for a long time, but they've since in the last couple of years. They've become a bit more open. They've you know. opened where like the, the devs write blog updates mm-hmm. the sort of yeah. you know.
0: Well and that's what I think what we're the direction we're we're hoping to go with double we'll find, you know, in the midterm. But like but yeah, definitely with the with the adventures that with the adventure game stuff, um, It's just, there's like a camera crew around all the time, like really weird. Like, well, just in meetings, there's like a boom mic hanging over the table that like moves around to to whoever's talking at the moment and like two guys with two different angles, like moving around the room. It's, it's, but not as part of just like the one time, one scheduled, a a one day
1: promotional visit.
0: And they're not, they're not in every meeting and they're not everywhere all the time, but there's definitely three guys who are. Do you start to get used to
1: that? Like I've, I've thought about that before. I remember watching when the Penny Arcade guys first. Because the, the two-player productions the guys who were doing the Double Fine one did mm-hmm. did this in Penny Arcade's office for like a year, and I watched that stuff and was like, I don't know how I could how I could do my job. It's did really you actually not notice those
0: guys? I don't know. I remember I was in one meeting with, that was being filmed one time, and like I was really I had like a an. an excuse, I was talking in the meeting, and like I felt really weird about it because I'm like I don't want the stuff I'm saying right now to to, 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 be, be, on, to be on the internet. Like it was. You just have to get over it, I guess. It was really weird. Yeah, because
1: you're in sort of creative meetings, and you realize, like, you just, I think sometimes you need to have the space to just be an asshole. Or not, like, to be an asshole, asshole, but, like, like to have an extraordinarily strong and contrary opinion to a thing that's being discussed, and you need to be able to feel the comfort to... Work out your thoughts at right. the table in real time. And like mm-hmm. you yeah. just then, when you look well, over here and see a camera lens, like, I don't know if I could do it.
0: It's especially strong contrast coming from Irrational. Like, I'm sure Steve can relate to this, which is, you know, much more of a carefully like that studio's uh, very guarded. It's about. very it's like, guarded like the closed then, like, door at
1: Irrational. In fact, there's like six subsequent closed doors.
0: Yeah. And I think that probably a lot of studios work that way. And yeah. like, it's definitely, um, there was something I was talking to, uh, to uh, a team member from a different team at Double Fine, like after the, after the, um, adventure document the episode, we put out episode two of the documentary this week, and, I, and you know, we were just kind of chatting about it. Like, we had an, an internal screening for everyone for at mm-hmm. Double Fine of the episode, like, the day before it went out, and he was like, man, I didn't know any of that stuff about the game. <laughs> so it's like, there are people who are working on different, who are, because, you know, Double Fine makes several games at a time, and so people who aren't on this project, like, it's not that it's being deliberately hidden from them, but it's just you're working on your own thing. You're not right. obviously you keeping up you're with all like, the. Like, whenever a closed-door design
1: meeting happens, the other teams are like, "So you guys yeah, got check a, it out. <laughs> you got the yeah.
0: yeah, right." And so he was like, "Yeah, it was really weird. Like, I'm going to be finding out about like the people on the internet who are just who people who are fund, who helped fund this game. They're going to be finding out about a lot of the elements of this game at the same time. Many people <laughs> That's at Double like Fine three
1: quarters of the studio yeah. find out. It's about really it or interesting.
0: Yeah. Like, it's really an unusual situation, and so I." And so I think it's interesting seeing people seeing you know some people on the Double Fine backer forums be like, well, this just I was really hoping there'd be way more footage in this. I was really hoping we just get like raw, unedited eight hours of of like of footage. And I they don't actually want that right. Some people do. I guarantee some people would watch it, but
1: they, yeah, there but, there are a lot of people who I think would it's be would happen, be obviously. slightly saddened by seeing the raw. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. absolutely.
0: And like, but the other thing is, I think the there's definitely something that. Those people maybe aren't considering, which is the stuff they are seeing is already so much more revealing than. I mean, it's already so much more than even a lot of people at the studio itself yep. would ever typically see. Like, it's it's pretty unusual. Um, it's a unique thing, and so it's weird being there while that's stu- being there while all that stuff is happening. Um, it's just a, it's just a very different.
1: But yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that at all. Like, Telltale yeah. is. I mean, we have QA and marketing in a downstairs office now because we got too big. But we only have two real projects in active production right now, and we're one just giant open floor. Mm-hmm. And a ton of work happens out on the floor, including, like, conversations about content. But then, still, <coughs> you'll be like, whoa, the other like, the other game looks amazing. How, how did I not notice right. that people yeah. were making this for exactly. the last nine yeah. months? Uh-huh. So that would be really weird for, like, the other team inside of Telltale if there was a Walking Dead documentary coming out <laughs> every couple right. of weeks letting them know what the status of our project was. Right. <laughs> That's really weird. Good.
3: Well, I was I was really excited when uh they announced that that you were joining Double Fine. Seems like a really good place for you, and seems like those guys are really excited to have you on board. And it's like a pretty amazing time to be there. Yeah, so, it was a weird like
0: I was excited to see the old leading a circle like a yeah. decade. Yeah, I was excited <laughs> to see the old Chris Ramo
3: action news content get
1: deployed on the Double Fine action news yeah. again.
0: Yeah, that was really weird. Tim Schaefer was like the first kind of industry name I ever met. Like. We ran into you. Big oh, we went to, like, GDC game. 2004 or 2005. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely met a bunch of people in the industry in the years prior to that, but, like, I think Tim Schaefer was probably the first person I, I got to know who was someone who, like, whose name I knew as a kid, which was really sure. weird. Sure, yeah. Um, and now on my company email directory are both Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert, so that's <laughs> weird world. Yep. Welcome back, Sean. How was that bathroom? It was good. <laughs> That's what they say, and with that, <laughs>
3: <laughs> another progress cast draws your a
1: <laughs> Do we have anything progress
2: related to talk about on this cast? We oh have yeah, have you guys been about, doing anything? I don't
0: think so. I don't. We've done. I don't know much.
2: Um, Graham's paintings are. Gone. Oh yeah. Oh right. So we didn't put those in the last update this, because they, they showed up they, uh, like an like hour too late, <laughs> six hours afterwards. Yeah.
1: So this this episode has nothing to do with Kickstarter progress, but the blog update, as you probably know right now. Has some sick wizards. in it. Check
2: out those wizards. Um,
3: <laughs> Check my wizards. Check this out is actually something that's worth mentioning
2: because we've done it for a people, and sure, this is. Sure. Chris, you might end up just locking this right out of here. We might not yeah. actually be yeah. saying this, or will you? But uh, we've been doing some sort of like. Obviously, backers, people have, you know, whether it's didn't give enough money for the tier that they wanted, or didn't include shipping if they're international. We've been handling that on a case-by-case basis, and things are showing up probably now that you're seeing photos of actual back rewards and you're wondering, you know, gosh, maybe yep, I should I did, have bumped yeah. up to the X dollar tier for that sweet shirt or wizard. Uh, <clears throat> I don't... We have opened some channels just unofficially mm-hmm. to, to deal with that, yeah. so... You can write us. If you're
0: interested in going from like 30 to 50 or 50 to 100 or whatever, you just send us a Kickstarter message and we'll see if we can work it out. Yeah. We're not, I think the thing we're not doing is opening up to new backers who haven't previously, who weren't already, who didn't get in already before the Kickstarter campaign is over. Yeah. no. That's that. I think that door is unfortunately closed. But if you do want to bump up your pledge, we can probably make that happen. Yeah. Bump up that pledge. Also, if you were an international backer who wanted physical rewards but didn't submit but didn't send in the shipping charge, also get in contact with us. Yes. And we'll work that out. Because that is something that, like, we're still going to be taking a bath on international shipping, even with that extra money. So, like, it really helps. Yeah. International really shipping, does. we have determined, is horrible, horrible. Oh, Disgusting. I feel
2: expensive. bad for all parties involved. It stinks on our end, and I know that you guys, it stinks. I know it's, it's, yeah, have yeah, it's to a lame more, thing to have to ask it for. It stinks to have to pay taxes. It's so expensive. Taxes, and yeah. That. The world isn't flat, Thomas Friedman. It's actually round and hard to get to places.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The roundness actually makes it easier to get to places. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I will say, like, Uh, this is probably a public cast because we talked about... Nothing. We talked about entirely things of general interest. But, like, uh, so I'll just say, if you are someone who wasn't a backer um, and you want to be, like, I don't think that's a thing that we can deal with now. But, like, you know, I think we've told people individually who have asked, like, we are planning on, we don't know exactly what or, like, to what extent, but we are, our intention is when we, when our new site's back up and everything's back for real, there will be ways to support us if you want to and, like, get cool things. Yep. So, you know, got to look out for that.
2: Like, yeah. contests, <clears throat> if we give away XBLA codes
1: for
2: Fez. <laughs> I don't know. That seems okay. like a way to promote something. Uh, oh, I see. We're going to be selling magazine subscriptions from the site.
0: Huh. Yeah, to could like I, Home and Garden. Oh, yeah. Could I, I... We, can I, can I, we would
1: pick it up those Costco boxes that have the M&Ms and the Snickers and the peanut M&Ms, and we'll be selling yeah. those from the site for like $3 well, each, but I it mean, goes to a good cause. I was going to say Thumbs. I could use some, Cat wrapping,
3: fancy. some wrapping paper. Do you guys have what, <clears> yeah. some uh-huh. rolls of wrapping paper? If you or buy or?
0: enough boxes of Idle uh, Thumbs bake sale cookies, you can earn enough points to get the wrapping paper. Oh, back. man, one thing oh, that we did talk about... We about
1: are
2: it, going to sell Girl Scout cookies. A
1: thing that will never exist, but we thought would be a hilarious product. Um, you know how the, the art on the top of the idle forums is just a continuous oh, yeah.
0: uh, this is not going to be possible a,
1: a continuous then. looping tile of uh-huh. like a post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic wasteland or like a utopian city we, we started looking at places that do screen printing onto toilet paper rolls <laughs> <laughs> oh so you could gosh. get an idle forums toilet paper roll so you, could, infinitely you, could, you could wipe your butt
3: with our, <laughs> with our forums <laughs> uh, Steve would like
0: that I I don't know. It sounds expensive. You haven't been on the idle Forums in a while, Steve. I haven't really. We miss you. I'm sorry. Steve's a viral marketer. <laughs> i have had that tag for like five years. <laughs> at least at this point. Oh yeah, also the new- Is forums... that really just a goofy pun? Like, is that is there any significance to that at all?
3: Uh it it was because uh the, the we would frequent like back when I made that, we would frequently get spam on the well, you know, like handwritten spam on the the forum that was some marketer being like, "Check out this link oh, right. to a cool thing," and you can, and just like, right. it's Halo, and, and we would just ban them because it's like you you signed up for an account to put an ad mm-hmm. on this thing, uh, yes. and they were annoying, so I did that.
0: That's all I got. And then your avatar was a virus. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, I always thought that was a penis. We've talked about this. I really long skinny one.
0: No, we haven't.
2: We haven't. <laughs> Welcome <Huh>. to it. <laughs> I I like the, I like when we have the low the slow end. Eventually we just run out of steam in the episodes work.
1: Those are what people like a lot when I mean, we when we're like how we're so talking to, right now. Yeah. Just
2: sitting here talking to myself alone by myself.
1: Sorcerer Lord. <laughs> Alright. This is rooted the cast is about to start uh, pre-roll with just basically stock photos that could have come from this with the word idle thumbs over <laughs> it. Is good, it yeah. is a good jam. Where did that come from? Uh, there's just this guy, John Baker, was a guy who worked in the BBC like, radiophonic workshop doing weird like tape looping stuff. Yeah, it's because someone sent me... Uh, <coughs> Where is it? PM, Computers and Business Theme. They sent me this, then I bought the whole album because of this. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, man. Hold on.
2: Another robot appears. Anyway, it's a bunch bunch of weird, sexy stuff that I like a lot. (coughs) This is the one that Jake told me not to sign when we were recording.
0: (laughs) They're not going to know what that means. I know. I need need, need to mark it.
2: (laughs) You're
1: probably going to have to write, don't sign that one. Jake. (laughs) Attribute to Jake. Is
2: dumb. Dom. (laughs) That's a good typo. Jake is Dom. Jake is Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true.
1: attributed
0: to Gandalf. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, use the force, Harry. Gandalf, sorcerer lord. (laughs) All right.